Hello and welcome to CA Conversations. I'm Emily Newmeyer, and I'm an assistant professor of art history at Temple University. And I am joined by my colleague and friend, Alex Sagerman. Hi, I'm Alex Sagerman. I'm an assistant professor of art history at Rutgers University, Newark. Hi, Alex. It's great to have you. Nice to be here. And today we're going to be talking about teaching with Wikipedia in the classroom. Uh, so Alex, uh, both you and I, we're both art historians, and we both specialize in uh, the art and architecture of the Islamic world. Um, so we're both in sort of the same area. Um, and we've we both been teaching with Wikipedia for for a few years now, right? How many times have you have you used Wikipedia in a classroom setting? I have used Wikipedia twice, uh, two separate semesters, and I was on leave last year. So I didn't, I think you, there was a Wikipedia edit-a-thon, hashtag students of Islamic art. We seem to be holding them every December. And so I participated in the first two, and then yours was in the last one. I have also taught with Wikipedia twice. I think the first time was fall 2019 and last year in fall 2020. And I taught it within the context of my undergraduate Islamic art survey course. So this was in the context of an undergraduate classroom. Is, was that the same for you or did you also have graduate students? Uh, no, just undergraduates and similar. The first time it was an intro to Islamic art and architecture class. And it was my first semester teaching at Rutgers Newark. So it was a little rushed and we ended up doing a very small project. And, you know, in the spirit of uh, recommending projects for other CA members, there's a, a variety of different kind of intensities that you can do the Wikipedia project. We just, I, the only thing they were supposed to do was find a open source image and add it to, one, to Wikimedia Commons and then add that into uh, an ex existing article. So that was like a very small project. And then in the second year, I taught an undergraduate introduction to Islamic architecture class in which we did a bigger project and each student adopted a site of Islamic architecture whose Wikipedia page um, needed to be updated, was a stub, was, like need, was in need of um, expansion in some way. And, uh, and they, they all focused on one site of architecture. So that was a slightly larger project. I think it's a really good point that there are kind of multiple levels of buy-in uh, for using Wikipedia in the classroom. You can just, as, as Alex, you just mentioned, you can just have it as one small component of the class. In both cases, I went all in and I did a full semester long Wikipedia editing project. It was basically in lieu of a final research paper. So this was kind of in place of that. And so, and so it was broken down into multiple parts. It went on all semester long. It was a whole process of students identifying their topic, looking through Wikipedia, identifying places that the gaps and knowledge gaps in Wikipedia, uh, what needed to be added. And they also, we did rough drafts, we did peer review, and then we did a sort of a final upload party at the end, which we were calling the, the Wikipedia edit-a-thon. And we should probably mention that edit-a-thons are kind of their own thing. It's another thing you can do on its own, but also in the context of a wider project. What is an edit-a-thon? We've, we've run a few so far. 
Yeah, so the Edit-a-thon, we gather together different classes across, well, for us, in our, in the, we do hashtag students of Islamic art, all, you know, no spaces. So we choose a day and then on that day within 24 hours, so we're, we're spread out. So we've had classes in Scotland, Texas, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and also Australia. So we don't actually do it at the exact same time. I personally hold mine during class, one of the last classes of the semester, because it's just easier for my students. Uh, but we all upload everything within 24 hours. And then the folks that we collaborate with at the Shangri-La in Hawaii uh, have offered to sort of be our social media support for the edit-a-thon. They gather together all of the data uh, of how many edits were done, how many images, how many articles were edited. Uh, and then they produce these little graphics for us that we post on social media afterwards. So, you know, I think it's a great place for the students to learn the edit-a-thon portion kind of shows them that they're part of something bigger. It brings visibility to, in this case, Islamic art, but we're taking cues from the more prominent feminist edit-a-thons that happened through MoMA in March. That's the inspiration to diversify the content and the editors of Wikipedia. The content and the editors of Wikipedia are majority white males. So um, just by having our students who are more diverse and their backgrounds are more diverse than the general pool of Wikipedia editors, we're, we're taking inspiration from the feminist Wikipedia edit-a-thon. But it's also a fun time for, you know, to get together. And at Rutgers, we usually order uh, Persian food since it's Islamic art class. There's this really great Persian restaurant um, and we order from them. And it's a little uh, time to gather and celebrate the end of the semester as well. Yeah, so you also mentioned that there are other um, organizations in art history who have already kind of set a good model for edit-a-thon. So this art and feminism project, right, that's run every March. So there's nothing stopping you from running your own edit-a-thon. You basically set a, a fixed amount of time. Usually it's just a couple hours, anywhere from 24 to 48 hours, depending on how global you want it to be and how convenient in terms of time difference. And yeah, you can, you can incorporate it into your bigger project across the semester, but it, it could also be just another option, I would say, in terms of if you wanted to incorporate Wikipedia somehow into your class, but didn't want to commit to a full semester project, you know, one day in your classroom, you could do a kind of short edit-a-thon. You can just ask students to... And, you know, not not make substantial changes. I mean, when I'm talking about my students across a semester editing Wikipedia, we're really talking about they're usually adding entirely new sections to an article. Right. So it's somewhat equivalent to the work I would expect a student to do for a, a semester long research project. But I mean, you can also do other things like, you know, just add smaller things like biographical data, things like that kind of flesh out different artists or works of art pages, right? So you could do that just in, maybe just for one class session. And you could also think about maybe reaching out to maybe your librarian to coordinate with them to host something at the library, something like that. I know my librarian, uh, the art librarian at, at Temple is participating in this art and feminism edit-a-thon project. So anyway, 
there's, I think, lots of possibilities for different modes of participation and in incorporating Wikipedia in the classroom. So Alex, what would you say after having now done this a few times, reflecting back, what do you say are the biggest advantages or maybe like the significance of taking on this project versus say having them do a, a research paper? Yeah, I think the advantages are that the knowledge that they're producing has a wider impact. And I think they understand that immediately. So even if it's a very small edit on one page, it's going to have a bigger impact than writing a term paper just that I will read and nobody else, right? And my students, by and large, are not art history majors. A few of them are Middle East and Islamic studies majors, but mostly they take my classes for distribution requirements for all undergraduates. So I have students who are pre-med, English majors, students from the business school majoring in supply chain management. It really runs the gamut. So I think the really important thing is that the knowledge they produce has a wide impact. And also they really learn how Wikipedia works. I mean, I think that's kind of the reason I keep going, even though it sort of is a complicated assignment to incorporate into the classroom. You do have to remove some content from the class in order to spend enough time on getting them, you know, getting their skills at Wikipedia editing and understanding how it works. Kind of that's a skill that they have to learn. So you have to take out some content so that they can build that skill. But that's a fabulous skill. I mean, how many times have you looked up Wikipedia just on the weekend? Like, oh, what's the history of you know, Trenton, New Jersey, <laughs> and you look up um, the history on Wikipedia. And it's really important for students to understand how that knowledge is created and that they can actually just go in there and edit it, any, anything on their own um, uh, so that they understand that and how to judge. I think that's another really important part, how to judge the reliability of a Wikipedia entry. You know, some, you know, like the history of Trenton, New Jersey is probably very reliable, um, but other things about tertiary celebrities are maybe not as reliable. So I think giving them the power to be able to critically think about these sources online, how they're built, how they're maintained, and the reliability of that, of course, in our day and age, you know, the reliability of information online is, you know, one of the most vexing issues of our time. And so it's like one little baby step into how they can understand how that is built. So I think that's what keeps bringing me back, even though it's complicated. And I always have a few students who just never figure it out and like, don't really do the assignment. I keep coming back to it just because I think it's a really important skill for them to have. Absolutely. That's something that I keep hearing from students when I'm introducing this assignment to them. Inevitably, at least a couple of them will say, I'm really surprised we're taking this up because the students in my classroom have been told consistently throughout their education, especially in high school and middle school, they're consistently told by their teachers, do not use Wikipedia, do not use it as a source, and just don't look at it, basically. That's a very interesting conversation at the beginning of the project, because that is what I find that they're walking in with that knowledge that Wikipedia isn't scholarly and I shouldn't look at it. And here I am, you know, their professor saying, actually, you should look at it. It's really important. I, I, you know, I usually start from the space of, okay, come on, but we all look at it, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, that's nice, but 
we all look at it and it's the world's most it is the world's most consulted resource online i mean full stop period right so you cannot ignore it and it can be useful and exactly like what you're saying alex that i think a big process for the students and i think a big i think a big advantage is that they learn how to evaluate the quality of sources the quality of information what is a valid source what's a reliable source what is not and that's sort of part of the whole process of teaching them how to do it and i mean of course we teach them how to do that for a traditional research paper as well i don't know if it's more high stakes or not but because wikipedia is something that so many people use everyone uses it all around the world that i think it's even more pressing and interesting and important that students in that context learn what is a reliable source of information i will say that i don't know about you i've, I've heard this that i think when we were told, I mean, I've been even told in my, in the course of my education, don't use Wikipedia, right? My understanding is in the last 10, 15 years or so, they've gotten a lot more stringent in terms of like their process of vetting sources and going through and monitoring changes and editing things. I, is that right? Is that your understanding as well? I didn't know that they had done that i mean i haven't seen any like reports but it definitely feels more stringent than it used to be but i i definitely when i was writing my dissertation fell into a hole where i instead of writing my chapter was updating the wikipedia pages for the people i was talking about in right. the chapter which yeah. i thought was you know a sort of it was just a procrastination but we have this book coming out it's called making modernity in the 19th century islamic mediterranean I edited it with my collaborator, Margaret Graves, and Emily has a fabulous essay in that book. And the editors of the, you know, the publishing house, um, Indiana University Press, suggested that we edit Wikipedia pages that have to do with the book and cite the book in the Wikipedia page. And I had thought that that was not ethical, but turns out that's a very common thing to do. So again, another kind of mm. community, CAA community suggestion. This is also a really good chance for us as, you know, that the instructors to learn how to edit Wikipedia. I mean, it's right. sort of a complicated, weird process. It's not rocket science, but you definitely have to learn how to do it. And turns out that, you know, I went to some of the pages for some of the artists that I work on and um, my first book, and you know, I realized that the pages were very, very underrepresentative of of those artists. Add little things here and there. So, um, it's also good. You know, it's a good skill. It's just a good skill to have, and it's so powerful. And um, your your editor might actually come over and tell you to do it. <laughs> so, I, I think it's a very common thing when you're working on your on your dissertation or you're working on a project. You will procrastinate and start editing Wikipedia. I think that's sort of a phase everybody goes through. <laughs> um, I remember when I did it, I don't even know now, like 15 years ago, something like that. It really was, did feel like a process where you just kind of just went in and changed it and nobody was really monitoring you or, and someone could easily just go and change it back. But nowadays there is kind of a more, I have noticed in the process of teaching this project, I've noticed that there are more sort of 
fail safes in place where there is sort of a, a community of editors that kind of have different areas that they kind of monitor things. And, and oftentimes, like now, if you check Wikipedia, for example, if someone makes a claim, like a factual claim, um, and there's no citation to back it up, like it'll, it'll insert, say something like citation needed, something like that. So it'll also kind of flag when information is not complete, uh, which is kind of interesting. And I have to say that students are also really surprised at what's not on Wikipedia when I do this project, because I think it is the world's most consulted online resource, but in, in our case, we teach Islamic art that students are often astounded at the lack of representation in terms of artists and types of art on Wikipedia. So something I like to do usually is I'll, I'll show them the page for Starry Night, right? <laughs> I'll show them page for Van Gogh's Starry Night. And then this year, I think I showed them a page from the Blue Quran, which is one of the most famous early medieval Quran manuscripts. And it's just comparing, I mean, just, just the sheer length. If we have a canon of Islamic art, this is for sure one of the stars in the firmament of the canon of Islamic art. And like, let's just compare Starry Night versus the Blue Quran and just, just you know, appreciate how certain aspects of art and art history are represented and certain fields are not. And the students are shocked when they compare just, just the sheer length. And, you know, and so I think students really feel like they're, they're really making a difference. They start to see those biases. They start to see those gaps. And I think they're very surprised by it. And I, I feel like my students do feel empowered. They're really making some kind of difference, meaningful difference. And I think that was especially important last year when we were under lockdown during the pandemic, you know, that they could make some kind of meaningful change in the world, even while sitting at home in their bedroom. So yeah, just to give one example, uh, I had a student, uh, the, just a general page on manuscripts, which are manuscript, a manuscript is just as we, as most of our listeners probably know, is just a handwritten book, right? So many cultures around the world have manuscripts, but my students noticed that the general page of manuscript is just, it was, it was entirely based on Western European medieval manuscripts. It was just a general page. It was just a manuscript. But then if you actually looked at the content, it only, it was only about Western Europe. And my student took it upon themselves to add an entire section on the Islamic world, because that is a part of the world that also generates manuscripts. People who are listening to this, I mean, they can also go in, you know, somebody teaches Asian art or someone teaches African art, you know, I think, I think maybe that's, that's a place to look at is sort of these more sort of generic pages that purport to be giving you general information about a particular topic, but they only cover a very small area when so much more could be added. So I think that's, that's something that has been really eye-opening for myself and for my students. Do you have any examples like that, Alex? Well, I had two related things I wanted to mention um, sure. on that point, which was, I mean, absolutely kind of this structure of Wikipedia 
it's great to be able to add Islamic art content into Wikipedia. However, when I taught that first class for Islamic art and architecture, I did have some trouble identifying pages for them to add to on the art side. So I think your, your example of Van Gogh, Starry Night is, is great because it really also shows how Wikipedia replicates the structure of the knowledge that we already have, which, which in art history is very artist focused. I mean, thanks Vasari, right? The <laughs> lives of the artists, mm -hmm. we're still doing that. And so in Islamic art, when you don't specifically do not have the same sort of history of fame, great famous artists, there weren't a lot of great pages for this, this. I told the students, go to the Met, choose an object, and then update the Wikipedia page that has to do with that object. It was hard for them to find a spot for, the, for those objects sometimes. Uh, so that's why I went with, um, I do it in the architecture class because it's easy to select a site of Islamic architecture, which often already has a page, as opposed to you know a salmonid bowl there's not an artist associated with that. Does that make sense? It's harder, the categories don't line up as well for the visual art and material culture in the Islamic context until the 19th and 20th centuries when you do get a lot more named artists. So that, that, that was definitely a challenge. And so I definitely, for, again, for those who are listening, before jumping into this project, you might wanna investigate what sorts of pages need updating and there are stub lists, which list uh, Wikipedia sites that are in need of updating, uh, and they have a, like a rating system. So probably Starry Night doesn't need any updating. That one's done. Like, don't assign that one. But maybe, you know, the works by female artists or pages about female artists or more or lesser known artists are going to be in need of updating. So definitely makes sense. I didn't do that in the first semester, sort of just jumped in the deep end. But the second semester, I made sure to line up the content with um, pages that were in need of updating. So that was the one thing. And then I think, yeah, this it's a really interesting, I think for a higher level assignment, maybe graduate students or advanced undergraduates, it would be a really interesting project, just kind of reminding me of Foucault's order of things and you know how, how is this like really investigate, how is this? information organized on Wikipedia, what are the, the kind of standard organizational features and limitations of that technology that are producing sorts certain kinds of knowledge, which are reproducing, you know, these Western structures of knowledge that, you know, and how could we push back against that? It's harder to create a page that hasn't existed before. That's a higher level of Kind of um, gatekeeping at Wikipedia, but for an advanced graduate student, that might be good. like, what are some pages that need to be added, that need to be created, that don't exist? Maybe an Islamic manuscripts page or some better categorization of Islamic art that uh, better fits with the with what we have, you know, the objects that we have. Whereas, that like, I think at the introductory undergraduate level, it's harder to kind of create the categories. You're really just adding to pages that are already there. But I think a really great class assignment for an upper level would be to really question the structures of Wikipedia and how they, they create and structure knowledge. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're already having those conversations as well at the undergraduate level that like taking that, identifying that limitation, but also using it as an opportunity to generate a conversation about how is the organization of Wikipedia and our own knowledge systems, how is that impacting what is being represented or not represented um, on this website? Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, that there are some significant technical hurdles of uh, training the students. I mean, there is kind of this back end of uh, editing Wikipedia, learning kind of the ins and outs of editing an article. Have you found any uh, strategies for overcoming these hurdles, how to help students or how to train students in, in the sort of more technical aspects? That's a great question. I wish I had a better answer. Um, it was definitely challenging. I'm going to be doing a Wikipedia project this upcoming semester, and I definitely plan to carve out a little bit more time in the semester to focus on that. We had one meeting in the library with the librarian. It, I think the really the way to do it is just learn by doing and have every student on a computer and just spend one class where they sort of practice and you can go around and the instructor, it's great to have multiple people at other institutions. There were people on staff who were specializing in the intersection of education and technology. It was great to have them in the class when we did website projects. So any people on campus that you can find to come and sort of I have 35 kids in my class, and so it's sort of impossible for me to talk to every student in, a, you know, a, sort of a tech class like that. But with, the, with a librarian or an instructional technologist, that would be easier. But yes, I think you have to sort of take a deep breath and sacrifice some content. I know it's always hard, you know, you always want to include as much of the material as possible, but definitely have to sacrifice a little bit more of the content than you think you would to get them up to the level. It would be great if they could do it on their own at home, but I've found that you really need to devote class time to having them learn the skills to make sure everyone's on the same page. So I think in this semester, I might experiment more with small groups and maybe identify some students who are techie and want to sort of act as uh, mini TAs to to kind of um, oversee and help the other students, but I'll, I'll I'll report back when I learn if that is a good method. But I'm, I really would like to hear other people's suggestions because that is that's definitely a hurdle. I completely agree that uh, how important it is to have that kind of creating the opportunities for peer to peer instruction and learning. There are technical aspects to the Wikipedia project uh, that you as the instructor, you don't need to feel pressured to know every single thing and have every single thing figured out uh, ahead of time um, and that you have all the answers. In the course of teaching Wikipedia, I have found that it has been just very useful, as you were just saying, to have create time in the classroom. And sometimes it just really just maybe five minutes at the beginning of class, just sort of a check in, like, how's everyone going? Is anyone coming up with any 
technical issues. And then a student will volunteer a question saying, yeah, actually I'm having trouble doing X, Y, Z. And then inevitably another student will say, oh yeah, I had the same problem and I actually figured it out. This is what I did. And that I found that students were actually very effective at helping each other and helping me figure out the more technical side of things. And you can also rely on the students to help each other out. I think that's actually really essential. And like I said, it doesn't have to be full class period. It's just just even five minutes being in class, just a quick check-in, I think is, is really useful. We should also mention the WikiEDU dashboard. We're not just doing this on our own, right? <laughs> um, so, okay, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. We're not, we're not just sort of out there floating on our own, figuring this all out. There is something, there's sort of an education branch now of Wikipedia, it is called WikiEDU. And they have come up with something called the dashboard. And it's essentially if you want to do a full on Wikipedia project or even a smaller project, you can sign up as the instructor, you can register your course on WikiEDU. And I think we'll have a link in the show notes for this episode. And uh, on WikiEDU, you basically register your course. And I mean, this is what I did. I know you did the same thing, Alex. And this dashboard, they've really got a lot of different tools. It's great. You basically just say, you know, this is the kind of project I'm thinking of. This is my schedule. This is how many times we meet a week. And the dashboard will actually generate and break down a project step-by-step, step, like week-by-week week, and give you different assignments, give you different training modules you can assign to students. Um, so it can all, it all sort of happens through this, through this dashboard. So you're not on your own. And I have to say that those training module videos, they're like little, they're modules, um, they're little videos and they have to take a little quiz. Those are excellent. Um, my students really benefited from those in terms of figuring out some of the more technical things. So I would definitely say take advantage of that. We should also mention that as of now, it's actually been so popular that now you actually have to apply to register your class to be participate in this WikiEDU program. I haven't heard about a lot of people getting turned away. Um, so I wouldn't let that intimidate you. I think just sort of sign up. I think, I think it was just that they got so popular and overwhelmed that they realized that there had to be sort of a more of an application process, but the application is very minimal. You really just give them your email address and some details about the course. It's really not intensive at all. But I think, I think we should probably mention all that because the dashboard is, is, has been really critical to the success of my Wikipedia projects. And then to go back to the edit-a-thon, I'm fairly certain that that is the way that they generate the data after the edit-a-thon is that all of your students are registered through WikiEDU and then kind of collect, that's how they source the data because they're all doing their uploads through the class platform. And so if you were thinking about doing the edit-a-thon and gathering together with some other classes in your particular field uh, that, you know, you sort of need to do it through WikiEDU, I think, in order to kind of gather all of the data together at the end. Because that's how, like, if someone's editing Ibn Taloon Mosque and someone else is doing, you know, the Great Mosque of Cordoba and someone else is doing Taj Mahal, like the way, the only way to bring it all together is to have them do it through their class platform. 
yeah, that's how, that's how that works. So, and that was a, again, like to go back to the kind of online digital skills that we can develop for our students, just the, the social media aspect. In the first year, I also required each student to post their work to social media in some way and tag hash, you know, hashtag students of Islamic art. And so they can feel like part of this bigger community, but also understand, obviously, a lot of us use social media to interact with our friends' dogs. Uh, that seems to be a very popular thing right now. Um, but all, obviously, you know, there's a lot of jobs out there for social media engagement for companies from museums to pharmaceuticals, like everything across the board. And so again, it's like a way for them to learn like how you can use social media beyond just your friend group, but in sort of like a, a wider, a wide, in a wider context. So that, um, that can also be a part. And so that's why that the hashtag and the edit-a-thon that kind of dovetails into this raising awareness through social media um, with other institutions. And I would say that in terms of thinking about how to communicate research through social media, also just through the process of writing on Wikipedia, that's another aspect of it that I think is really important and is interesting is that students are forced to think about writing for a public audience. So when they write a research paper, they're writing it for me. I am, uh, I have a PhD in Islamic art history. So when they're writing to me, they're trying to convey a certain level of expertise. They're trying to impress me basically, <laughs> but they're writing to someone who already knows a good deal about the subject. And so one thing that's really interesting about Wikipedia, and I, we talk, I talk about this with the students, is that you are writing for a general audience. You are writing, you are educating, you are teaching people about whatever topic it is, right? You're trying to convey information in a way that is understandable, um, that is accessible. So in, in terms of thinking about developing skills that are useful for students, past their degree, right? I think that's actually a very useful skill is to understand how to take research, how to take these very complicated subjects that have a lot of jargon and to present them in a way that is accessible and interesting for a general audience, not just for me. And then one more thing that I wanted to mention, just another side note, I don't know if it's related to anything that we've been directly discussing, but in terms of the research that the students are doing and like, where are they getting this knowledge that they're putting onto Wikipedia? I think that, you know, obviously if, if, the, if you're in a situation where you would have assigned a 10 to 15 page research paper and instead you're doing the Wikipedia project, then you're expecting your students to go to the library and to research on JSTOR and get some old dusty books out of the library. And that's kind of the more traditional, the traditional way. In, in my case, when I'm teaching non-majors um, at an introductory level, I can't really expect them to go get the books and do the JSTOR research in the same way. But there are a ton of fabulous resources that are already online that are not well represented. The vast majority of images of artwork from before 1850 at the Met are open source but they are not all on Wikimedia Commons. Um, and even if they are, they're not always well represented within the Wikipedia pages. So it was really just about migrating some open source material that was already at the Met 
into the Wikipedia or Wikimedia orbit. Perhaps at this point, most of the Met images have been migrated, but in the architecture class, we also relied heavily on ArcNet, uh, which is uh, run out of MIT and the um, Aga Khan program, which is a fabulous resource for Islamic architecture. Again, a lot of that material information is on ArcNet, but is not represented on the Wikipedia pages of those architectural sites. So don't feel like you have to assign your students this like really huge research projects. Um, you can kind of take a smaller bite out of it by leveraging material that is already on reputable sources online. Again, here's a chance to like talk about what's a reputable online source that's not a reputable online source and have them sort of harvest that information and move it to Wikipedia. So, you know, say you're just a interested person and you look up Sultan Hassan Mosque in Cairo, um, you're not gonna know to go to ArcNet, right? That's like a specialized thing for, for people studying Islamic architecture. The students are able to easily migrate some of that information from ArcNet to Wikipedia. So that was sort of like a way to make a smaller bite sort of project. Um, and there's tons of information already on the internet, but not in Wikipedia. That's great. Well, I think that's probably a good place to, uh, to conclude our, our brief conversation discussion about teaching Wikipedia in the classroom. Uh, I, I think anybody uh, listening will probably conclude that it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but certainly one that is well worth undertaking. I think, I think that's something that both of us would say. So thank you again, Alex, for, for joining me. And thank you all out there for tuning in for another episode of CAA Conversations.